We found out last fall that there's a holiday called National Salesperson's Day that nobody celebrates. We decided to make it a real thing. We decided to do a whole week. And so we made a virtual summit, but there were no sponsors. So we didn't share any leads and all of our speakers didn't get the leads either. They just kind of did it because they liked the idea of, of giving a gift as well. So we did like a week long summit with over 40 speakers, 5,000 people came and showed up for it. And then we all went our separate ways. And you know, we can look back on that memory fondly knowing that every guest is not now in someone's sales funnel. Welcome, welcome to the Micro Influencer Podcast. This week, I'm speaking with Colin Campbell, the Director of Marketing from Sales Hacker. This is jam-packed with nuggets of knowledge. Colin has built something really special at Sales Hacker, and if you're not already a member of their community, please go join. If you're in sales or marketing, you'll find a lot of value. But really, what you're going to get from this episode today is how to make your marketing seem like it's a gift. That is key and something we haven't yet tackled on this podcast and something you'll probably not find anywhere else. So without further ado, let's get learning with Colin. Awesome. On the podcast today, we have Colin Campbell, who's here to talk to us a little bit about marketing and how to make it feel like a gift, not so much a, a burden or an interruption. Colin, how are you doing today? I'm great, Blake. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate this. And I'm excited. This is somebody that I follow closely on LinkedIn. So really, really excited, but I want to get some context on you for the audience first so they know who they're dealing with here. If you could just give us a quick story about your career so far, how you got started and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, sure. So the short version is I graduated from college with a degree in global studies, which turned out to be not so useful for helping me get a first job. Uh, I was lucky <laughs> that my parents had a small business, so I helped them with customer service, sales, and marketing. I taught myself some content marketing, got a job at a content marketing agency doing strategy for all kinds of clients in all kinds of industries. And then I ended up six years later leading that account management department in the Boston office of that agency. And then through sort of a serendipitous connection to somebody who worked at Sales Hacker, I got the job running Sales Hacker after that. So I've been doing that of running Sales Hacker for about two years. Awesome. And and if you don't follow Sales Hacker, go look it up. We'll we'll talk about this at the end, but it's it's great. So let's let's dive into this. I, I'm curious, first of all, what, what would you consider your professional superpower? Oh yeah. I think I'm kind of the guy um who just asks why a lot. You know, like I, I try to do things with a purpose, which is kind of a strange superpower to have because it's not a tactic. Like, you know, you hear people talk about the T-shaped marketer. Right. My I guess you know, I, I'm not, my superpower isn't SEO or content, though I'm pretty good at those two things. My superpower is really like, let's figure out why we're doing these things and then prioritizing and trying to give teams focus so that we can go big in one area and really make a difference for the people who we need to make a difference for. Well, let, let's dive into just that. And so making marketing feel, feel like a gift that's definitely not how most people feel about marketing. It's usually perceived as kind of slimy, interruptive. <laughs> so I'm curious, first off, generally, what do you mean by that? Because you say that a lot. That's one of your core messages. Yeah. I, you know, this started out, I think, as me trying to 
like assuage my own angst about my profession because I do love marketing, but but I am pretty conscious of the fact that I don't love being marketed to or being sold to. Mm-hmm. And I think most people feel that way. So I really just tried to start doing things in marketing roles for our audiences without the catch involved, you know? And and like the reason I gravitated in early in my career towards content marketing is because it felt like that. It felt like, oh, this is a nice thing I can do for the people I hope will one day become my customers. And if I teach them some stuff that's useful for them, you know, maybe it'll come back around. But then we all got really good at attaching forms to things and, you know, <laughs> basically adding a catch. Yeah. And I didn't like that. Yep. Yeah. Well, so let's let's dive into it a little bit more and and start here by, I mean, you, so you you you're a sales hacker, so you're thinking a lot of people are gonna think, oh, this is a salesperson, but you're you're a marketer. So first off, what's what's that like working in a at a place where sales is at the primary focus, but you're more on the marketing side? Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and I actually so sales hacker is a is a community for B two B sales professionals, not just salespeople, but like you know sales leaders, people in operations too. Sure. And what's so interesting about being at Sales Hacker right now is that we're actually owned by Outreach, which is a SaaS company that mm. that makes software for sales professionals. So, I kind of get to walk this cool line where, you know, my job is really to connect with and grow this community of B2B sales pros, but I kind of like we're doing it by creating a gift. I mean, the community itself is a gift to the to the community. <laughs> There's really no catch. Like outreach is so customer obsessed that their obsession with salespeople's success starts bef- well before they're a customer or before they're even a lead. It's just, you know, from the time you enter your sales profession, we want you to have an ability to connect and grow your career, which is why Sales Hacker exists. What what are some of the examples of the gifts, quote unquote, that you've given as Sales Hacker? Yeah. So some of them are like, they look and feel like a gift, right? Like we found out last fall that there's a holiday called National Salesperson's Day that <laughs> nobody celebrates. And like, you know, there's a made up holiday for everything, right? Right, yeah. But we decided to make it a real thing. And it's it was December 13th in 2019. We decided to do a whole week. And so we made a virtual summit, but there were no sponsors. So we didn't share any leads. And all of our speakers didn't get the leads either. They just kind of did it because they liked the idea of of giving a gift as well. So we did like a week-long summit with over 40 speakers. 5,000 people came and showed up for it. And then we all went our separate ways. And, you know, we can look back on that memory fondly knowing that we are not, you know, every guest is not now in someone's sales funnel. That's that's super interesting. So like when you when you're going into it, you still have to have some kind of business objective behind these things or or it's I, I mean, what was the objective? Ultimately, what were you hoping if you're not promoting a CTA or anything, you're just giving away information, just being generous. What's the hope in the long term? Yeah, well, my I mean, I'm in a, a fortunate position of having a really, really big total addressable market. Like I want every single B2B sales professional in the world to be a part of our community, which means I need to make investments in branding and just like how people feel about us. So if I was going to pin a metric to that, it would be trying to, you know, as we do more and more things like that over the next year, see a year over year increase in net promoter score. I love that. That's, that's again, customer obsessed. So 
the the core audience here, we're talking about people that are more side hustlers, not necessarily in a a business or well into their career. Maybe they're just starting a product or just starting to build out their personal brand. But the principles of that totally apply across the board. Being generous with your time, giving your ideas as a gift instead of always just trying to have a CTA and get something back in return. So what specific advice would you have for a side hustler, for example, on doing just that? Like, how can they feel comfortable giving away knowledge and ideas when they don't really have a lot of business to rely on yet? Yeah. Well, look, so I learned from the best. Like, I didn't invent this concept. If you look at someone like, uh, if you don't follow Josh Braun on LinkedIn, he walks this walk so, so well. His job started as a side hustle. He's a sales coach and, and consultant and uh and trainer and and like he spends his time almost all of his time giving away free nuggets of knowledge on linkedin mm-hmm. and other venues and it works out for him i you know i think it's different for everybody he's got a full playbook full of you know i don't think it's now like 200 different sales plays that you can learn from he doesn't give all of that away right like he has to have an outcome for himself at some point sure but over the course of a year he may give away you know like 30 of them uh, and it only wants makes you want the full playbook even more or or makes you want to hire him as a trainer even more. So I think you need to find a balance. It is definitely a marketing strategy that can work for everybody, whether they have a huge market or a small market. But, you know, just I, I, my advice would be to just start by finding one thing you can give away and then giving it multiple shapes. And that kind of plays into your idea of Depth is more important than breadth or stretching yourself too thin is not nearly as effective as going deep on one thing. And I'd love to dive into that specifically around, I guess, personal branding or building out your product for these people that are listening here. How, what, what process or what, what ideas do you have around how to find that focus and go deep on it? Yeah, well, I think the way that I've found focus in the past is by talking to customers. And the more conversations I have, the more I realize that, you know, there is probably 10 or 12 things that I want to say or that I want to be talking about, but all of my customers talk about the same two or three things. And we only overlap on one thing sometimes, you know, so it's, you know, take your list of things you want to say, talk to a lot of customers or potential customers, find out what resonates with them, and then hammer that point home. And it doesn't mean you repeat the point exactly the same again and again. Again, another example, I'll point people to Andy Raskin on LinkedIn. He's a storytelling consultant and amazing at what he does. He's got one point, one, one bell to ring, and that is that your business needs a core story. And he tells that story again and again, but it comes in so many different formats, so many different ways of saying it. And he tells his own stories, his customers, that you know it, it doesn't look like he's repeating himself, but he clearly has focus. And it makes it memorable. So that we're, that we're talking about depth of content, depth of focus there, but then there's also this side of depth of relationship. So how do you develop a deep, close relationship with the right people? First off, how do you, how do you find the right people to even start building the relationship with? And then part two of that would be, how do you develop a good, deep relationship with them, knowing that you're both in the business world, not necessarily just like only friendship? Yeah, it can be hard to find the right people, especially because, you know, I do most of my personal networking through LinkedIn. I think that's how we met Blake. 
Yep. But and, and the world of LinkedIn is so big and everybody can seem like a potential connection, not even just a potential connection, a potential close connection or um, close acquaintance. So it can be tricky to find who the right people are. I don't know if I have the best strategy for that, but I cast a wide net. I just have a lot of conversations. And like when anybody connects with me or I connect with somebody who seems like they may be interesting, I try pretty hard to turn it into a real conversation. Um, if they've said something interesting, I, I try to take it off LinkedIn and have a phone conversation or jump on their podcast like this. Mm. And then, you know, to foster those relationships, you really got to focus on giving again. Like if you, we all have that friend who's always asking us for favors and over time, they probably kind of become not a friend because that's annoying. Yep. So you gotta, you gotta be the person who is thoughtful and giving them things, even when they're not asking you for stuff, just, you know, spend a couple minutes a day thinking, Oh, this person seems like a close connection. We have a lot in common. They may be able to help me someday, or, you know, maybe would be a, a potential future customer of mine. What's one thing I can do today just to help them for free because it's the nice thing to do and kind of have faith that the golden rule will work in your favor later on. Well, I know that you, you have, you all have a Slack group, right? Where you, you would, you kind of engage with support or some of your more enthusiastic folks over there. And I'm curious what that does for you. Like, do you see real relationships being formed there? Is that something worthwhile that other people should copy? Oh man, I don't even know how you heard about that because I thought we kept it secret. Yeah, we keep we we've got a really small group of people who have taken the time to give me really constructive criticism, care about the future of Sales Hacker. They're they're vocal members of the community, and I spend a couple hours each week talking to them about things that I'm working on in Slack, and it's like my own little private mentorship group. They help me in ways that, you know, help me make decisions in ways that I, I don't think I could do without that group. And yeah, like a couple of them were pretty close friends. One of them, I have a monthly call. We, we set up a monthly call on Fridays and it's kind of like a, a peer to peer mentorship for each of us. We learn a lot from each other. We both work remotely. So it's our chance to like have some water cooler talk too. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's, it's like, and it, you know what? We're talking about like outcomes here and how this is a marketing strategy. But again, like I do this because I'm a person and I want to feel good about what I do. And this is just how I do it. It makes my work so enjoyable. Yeah. yeah, And that's a, that's a healthy way to, to look at marketing. Like everybody knows the point of marketing is to take something that something may, somebody may not know and try to let them know about it. The, the tactics that we've used to get to that point are, are pretty slimy usually and uh, very mm -hmm. selfish and not very human. So the way that you're flipping the script here, and a lot of people obviously are, are doing this as well, but we need more and more of this out there, is just being a human and allowing that to do your conversations and spreading the word about product for you, as opposed to just like constantly using clickbait and forcing people to, trying to force people to, to get to click on something. That's probably not the most effective way. I'm, I'm curious if you have any other examples of things that you do with customers or subscribers that are helpful that that somebody from this podcast could steal and use themselves. Sure. I mean, one thing that's really so you want an email list, right? Everybody I th I hope all of your listeners are trying to grow an email list. Yeah. If you're not, you should start. It's the only marketing channel that you can own. Everything else you're renting. Uh and you can there's all kinds of spiels you can find on that. For our email list, and I think this is something again will work really well for your audience, Blake, is we used to have an automated newsletter 
and it basically automatically pulled our top content from the previous week and sent it to our subscribers. It was just a list of headlines with a couple images. We de-automated that, and now we take several painstaking hours each week to craft a handwritten note. Mm. Uh, and it's the same for every subscriber. I can't write a note for all 150,000 of them. But when sure. people, you know, we, tr we try to make it interesting and personal, and we tell stories, and we share what we're working on, and we're transparent in it. And when people reply, we take the time to reply back. And I think a lot of people aren't expecting that. But it's a nice little moment. And so, like I would say in your email marketing, grow your list, right? And then when you email people, try your goal with sending an email is to generate a reply. And if you can do that, even if it's a mass email, then just have a conversation. So generate a reply, have a nice conversation. The goal probably shouldn't be, you know, buy my product right now. Because right. like the, you're just guessing. It's like, a, you know, a roulette if, <laughs> if you try to get that outcome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody's at a completely different stage, which which takes me to kind of the final point that I want to discuss here, customer journey, which fits in really nicely here with with what you said, like everybody, not everybody's going to reply because everybody's at a completely different point. They might not be ready to buy your product yet because they're at a different stage in their buying journey. So what process, if any, have you developed for mapping out a customer journey that you find maintains this human marketing element? Yeah, so we so like we kind of got obsessed with this idea of like finding ways to have little moments and be personal and connect with our our audience because like I said it's a big audience and that can be it can feel hard to do that sometimes. So what we did was like as a team we sat down and we wrote out on post-it notes all of the moments that we could think of. Like the moment somebody subscribes to our newsletter or the moment that they join their first sales hacker webinar or, you know, the moment that they unsubscribe all kinds of, we came up with, I don't know, a lot, <laughs> a couple yeah. dozen. Yeah. And then we just picked 20 to focus on and we kind of mapped them out on like a graph on the Y axis. We put level of expectation from low to high, hmm. low expectation being like they expect very, very little, like when they're unsubscribing, they expect nothing. Right. Right. High expectation. Highest expectation probably comes when at the point that they subscribe, because that's like we've worked, we've they're interested enough to commit to having us in their inbox. That's pretty high expectation levels. And then on the x-axis, uh, horizontally, we graph them over time, so we can kind of look at expectation over time, and also like how many moments do we have on the graph that are more towards the start of the journey? How many moments are more towards the end? That was a useful exercise just to kind of visually see what the customer journey is like. And discussing it as a group, I found that everybody had a different idea of what constitutes a moment. And then we all had different ideas of like, what was the expectation level associated with that moment too. But then like the fun part, here's the fun part. We picked a couple moments that we felt like we had a chance to outperform the user expectation. And, and then so we came up with like, which, which, which ones, for example. Yeah. So we picked, uh, what do we pick? We picked the, the moment they receive a welcome email. So like they just subscribe the first thing they get, we picked when they join a webinar hmm. and also when they unsubscribe. And so like, and then we said to ourselves, what can we do to outperform the expectations at those moments? So with unsubscribe, that one was easy. 
it, sometimes we get like a manual, a written note that's like, please unsubscribe me. Mm. We just started replying to those I th manually. I think that's something most people don't do. Uh, again, nice chance to have a conversation. If they're going to be leaving, I just want them to be leaving happy. That was like a low lift. We're not creating a massive delta or like delighting those people, but it's a nice little moment. With the join the webinar, or sorry, join, you, you sign up for our newsletter and you get the welcome email. A lot of times with other newsletters, when you sign up, there's really no journey. You're just kind of slapped into the next newsletter send. <laughs> yeah. Um, and some people do a better job than that. Like it's not everybody, but we, we, we weren't doing it. And we felt like we had an opportunity to, to do that. So now, like you sign up, we ask you what your role is, and then we immediately get you to a page that's here's the best content for you, for your role. Mm. Um, and like that's a nice, I think a nice little extra touch that people aren't necessarily expecting. So that's, those yeah. are, you know, a couple examples. No, I love that. And it, we're, we're low on time here, but I just want to reiterate the importance of being human and thinking about how you would want somebody to market to you, do that to others. The golden rule should apply in marketing as well. And before we close out here, I have a question I ask everybody. Basically, if I put together a room of the target audience here, so side hustlers and bootstrappers, young entrepreneurs, and I, I put you at the front of that room and gave you a microphone and I said, Colin, I need you to give me the, and, and everybody here one piece of life advice on what, based on what you've seen in your experience so far. What would that advice be? Oh, man. Just ask yourself why you're doing things. It can be really tempting to go for the hack or the shortcut or copy what somebody else did that looked successful. Make sure you take time to ask yourself why. I love it. Colin, thank you very much for coming on. I want to give you a chance here to just talk about what you're working on at Sales Hacker and, and anything else you're working on and also where the best place is for people to find you. Oh, thanks, Blake. Yeah, I'd love to have conversations with people. That's what kind of what I'm all about these days. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm at slash content dash Campbell, because there's a lot of Colin Campbells out there. <laughs> and yeah, we're working on a lot of stuff. So I would say just uh, stop by Sales Hacker, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll find out as we release new things, there's, there's all kinds of new things coming. I appreciate you coming on. Colin Campbell from Sales Hacker. Again, please go check out Sales Hacker if you're a marketer or a salesperson or just anyone in B2B. It's, it's a fascinating community. And then also follow Colin. He is a fantastic follow. I can attest to that. Colin, hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you once again for listening. If you would like my personal growth marketing tips delivered to your inbox Tuesdaily, get it every Tuesday, visit bit.ly slash microgrowth. So bit.ly slash microgrowth. Also, just feel free to DM me anywhere on social, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok. I'm on it all. I'd love to help you out. Till next time, influencers. Thank you very much.